Thank you. Yeah, as Maher said, I had this uh, sermon ready for the 22nd of August, uh, <laughs> uh, about six weeks ago, and then something happened. Uh, who knows? Um, and the irony is not lost on me that this is the last series that I will preach uh, in this church, and it's called Firsts. Uh, but Jesus said that the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So I think I've got a good biblical precedent for that. Thanks, team. Let's give it up for our worship team, who got up extra early this morning because of daylight savings to be here and uh, practice. Yeah, so here you go. You're getting the first last and the last first. Um, firsts are important in our lives. Uh, I don't know if you think about your the milestones that you've uh, you've had or that you've seen, you know, like first steps or your, your child's first day at school or your first day at school or your first kiss. Remember your first kiss? Um, your first job, proper job, you know, your first house maybe, your first child. They're all, firsts are important in our life. Um, and, uh, but in our Christian walk, it's actually important what we put first in our lives. And uh, over the series, we're going to look at a number of areas that we need to kind of get our priorities right. And uh, it's an interesting word, priority, because, you know, it involves that, that word prior, which means before. And if you think chronologically in, 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 in life and in our world, there's always something or someone who's gone before. Uh, no matter your thoughts on creation and how exactly it happened, there was someone before who was present. And I think that's powerful, that, that, the thought that no matter what we are facing, there's someone who's gone before us, who's been there prior to us. And God ultimately is prior before all. Uh, and so when we think about priority, we're really coming back to the first. We're coming back to the beginning. We're coming back to the start. As the book of Genesis starts, it says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, there was God. God is our beginning, and ultimately, He's going to be our end. So today, I want, to, I want us to think about first, and I want us to come back to God first, to refocus ourselves on, on our priority. And it's easy, it's easy to lose that. In our world, it's easy to get distracted, right? Because we live in a world that is just geared to distract us. Like it's it's made distraction an art form, really. Um, and uh, you know, in many ways, it's it's a blessing because we can entertain ourselves in so many different ways. We can do so many different things. Um, there are so many ways that you can, you know. Get involved, you can watch things, you can participate in things, you can give to things, you can get behind things. And, and, and those are good things, you know. Um, we, we are blessed, and I think we should have hobbies and things that we, we get into. Um, and, and it can be anything. Uh, you might love your pottery, or you might love riding your bike, or you might, yeah, yeah, I know, I had to chuck that in there. You might love craft or you know, cooking or whatever, singing. Or whatever. There's a multitude of things that you can do, play, get into. And, and I think we need to do that. I think we need to live embodied lives. Um, what I mean by that is that we, we're actually, we're called to enjoy life in our bodies. I think for a long time, there's been this kind of puritanical thought in the church that only spiritual things are good and physical things are bad. 
And uh, if you go back a couple of hundred years, there was a real separation between what is physical, which is bad, and what is spiritual, which is good. And uh, it's all rooted in that idea that, you know, we're like a, a spirit inside a body. But actually, if you go back to Jewish Old Testament thought, we're actually one. There's not this, this separation. Um, so it's not like, you know, praying and reading the Bible and worshiping uh, spiritual siddhar, good, and physical work and recreation and, dare I say it, even sex is a physical thing, so it's bad. Like, that's how Christians used to think. But actually, if you look at the Jewish thoughts around ontology, which is like the idea of who we are, that's the technical term, you can write that one down, um, we're not just the soul inside a body, we're actually one. We are one. And I know Paul talks about, you know, he makes some distinctions in there. But actually, Jesus was resurrected in a body, right? Because he came back in bodily form. Yes, his body was different, but he came back in a bodily form. And we are going to be resurrected in our bodies. Did you realize that? That's going to be different. I don't know how that works. So not everything in our body is bad. In fact, we're called to enjoy life in our body. Um, it's when those things dominate that, that things get out of whack. That it, that when they, those things become a priority in our lives, that things get out of balance. And so a lot of it's about timing, right? In fact, I've, 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 I've learned recently that a lot of life is about timing. You know, I, I was in a bike race the other day, and I just got my timing wrong in the end. I was in with a chance. And I came fourth. <laughs> but it was all about timing. I timed my sprint poorly. Uh, but life is often about timing. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing every time. Timing is crucial. Like I used to be quite a, a good violinist back in the day. And I know that you can play a beautiful note, but if you play it at the wrong place, <laughs> it's the wrong note. It sounds bad. Whereas if you play to the, the right note at the right time, it's lovely. And when, we, when our lives are centered around God, he's the one directing the orchestra. He's the one guiding us, bringing us in at the right time, guiding the timing of things. So Maya and I, at the moment, we're looking at selling a house and buying a house in Christchurch. And, and ultimately, it, for us, it comes down to timing. We need to sell our place at the right time so that we can buy another place that comes on the market at the right time. Um, and that's something that's kind of out of our control, but it's not out of his control. And in God, timing is everything. So, so when we're thinking about um, living lives that produce a, a beautiful sound, it's not that you know, we, we always just are on the same note all the time. We're just doing the same thing all the time. No, there are priorities shift and merge, but when we have God as our number one priority, we're in tune to him then we're always doing the right thing because he's guiding us. We're playing the right note at the right time. So, so if we think about how Jesus kept his priorities, what did Jesus do? Well, we're going to look at a passage because he is our benchmark. And we're, going to, we're going to see how he kept his priority. So Matthew 6, it's a well-known passage. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. I'll read it out and then we'll break it down a bit. And verse 25 begins, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the year. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? No, do wear them. Uh, why do you worry about clothes? It's not what he's saying. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's an amazing passage, and Jesus is actually quite clear, really. Don't worry about what you wear, about what you drink, about what you eat, and don't worry about tomorrow. In fact, don't worry, <laughs> full stop. Rather, seek. There's, there's an important distinction here, and I want to ask you today, are you a warrior or are you a seeker? Are you a warrior or are you a seeker? Do you get up all up in your head and allow concerns and worries and anxieties to dictate your mood and your relationships and even the direction of your life? Or do you instead choose to pursue something higher? Do you purposely seek God? Seek first, Jesus says. Seek first. So what is our first Priority. Jesus says it's to be the kingdom and his righteousness. So if we go back to the beginning of this passage and break it down a little bit. In verse 25, it begins, therefore. And wherever you read therefore in the Bible, you have to work out what it's there for. So the passage before verse 25 is verse 24. Uh, you work that out. And it says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is talking about, the context of the therefore is money. He's talking about money. And Jesus knew that actually money is the biggest worry for most people in their life. And then he kind of breaks it down. And he talks about all those other issues. Like if, uh, going back to Mayor and I, Thinking about sharing, uh, selling a house, sharing a house. Well, we do that often, but we're going to sell it. Um, we're not just going to give it away. Um, although Matt and Ali have asked if we could just, that could be part of the deal. Uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, sure, if you buy us a house in Christchurch, that's fine. Um, we can do that. But if we think about selling a house, actually, the bottom line is how much money we get for it. That's our concern, because that dictates everything else uh, in, our, in our move. And Jesus knows how powerful this idea of money is because it affects almost everything in our world. And so Jesus is actually just breaking down this idea of money when he says, don't worry about what you eat or what you drink or what you wear. Because in this world, as far as I've worked out, you've got to pay for what you eat and what you drink and what you wear, right? And so he's just saying, you know, this concern of money, if we break it down, all these, you don't need to worry about all these things. And he uses these amazing images from the world around him. Look at the birds of the air. 
You know, they don't sow and reap and store away. You know, they don't commute to work. You don't see little birds riding their bikes to work, slaving away, coming home for a paycheck so they can buy groceries. No, but their Father in heaven looks after them. I love, we've got um, uh, a number of tui coming back to our garden, and we love watching them and the korumako, the, the bowbird, uh, and, and we've put up a feeder um, with sugar water in it, and I love watching them come and feed, and man, they put it away. Um, but, you know, God would provide for those birds if we didn't. Like, it's nice to have them in our garden, but they'd go find some food somewhere else, and God would look after them even if we didn't. And, and then Jesus says, look at the flowers of the field. You know, they don't labor or work hard. They don't, you know, get the latest fashions. They just sprout from the ground and look beautiful. And they're far more beautiful than anything that a top designer can produce. Nothing that you're wearing today, and you're looking good today, church. Nothing that you wear today can look as good as those flowers of the field. So don't worry about it. Don't worry. Wherever we have our priorities wrong, we begin to worry. Let me say that again. Wherever we get our priorities wrong, we begin to worry. So if you, wor- if you struggle with worry in your life, and it can be in any area, like whether you're, you're worried about your finances, or you're worried about your kids, or you're worried about your, that meeting you've got to have with that person at work, or you're worried, just generally worried about your future, the answer is not just to you know, save more and work harder for your finances or parent your kids better or you know, have it out with that difficult person at work or, or just um, you know, make a plan for your future. Those things might, you might need to do those things, but ultimately, if you want to deal with a heart of worry, what you've got to do is get your priority straight. And I say priority, not priorities, because in the ancient world, actually, the whole idea of priority was a singular priority. Like we've kind of, in our modern, you know, multitasking world, we've made it, we've got a, we've got a bunch of priorities, right? And uh, if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense, but you go, oh yeah, no, I've got my priorities. I've got, you know, my family, I've got church, I've got God, I've got my job, I've got sport, I've got, well that's, hang on, that's five priorities already. What happens when those priorities clash? Oh, well, uh, I know, I just choose one of them. Or well, then you do have a priority. You've had to choose one of those five priorities over the others. And I think that's kind of a bit whack. Jesus had one priority. And it dictated what he did in different seasons. It's all about timing again. If we look at the life of Jesus... He had a single priority. And John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. His priority was simple, to do the will of his Father. And it says again in John 5, 19, Jesus gave him this answer, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So Jesus' priority was to do what the Father does. And it was such a priority to him that he said this, talking about food again. He says, my food, so the very thing that sustains me, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. So we're thinking about worrying about food and drink. Jesus, he said, my food is actually my first priority is to do what God my Father tells me to do. 
And Jesus was pretty ruthless about sticking to his priority. Like, check this out. In, in Mark 1, Jesus has been healing lots of people, casting out demons, working miracles. And then we read in Mark 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, like this morning when you had to get up for daylight savings, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So Jesus right here shows his priority, to do what his father asked him to do, not to do what everyone else wanted him to do. Sometimes we get our priorities wrong because we're actually just doing what everyone else is asking us to do or what we expect people expect of us. Now Jesus here, he didn't just keep doing what he did yesterday, you know, heal the sick and demon possessed. He actually said, no, look, even though everyone's looking for me, everyone wants me to keep doing what I'm doing, but actually that's not what I'm called to do. I'm going somewhere else because I have to do what my father tells me to do. So Jesus isn't distracted by the good things he can do. He's focused on the God thing that he's called to do. Too often we're distracted by the good things we can do rather than the God thing that we're called to do. His priority was clear. And it's the same priority that he gives us, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But what does that even mean? It's easy to say, oh, well, I seek first God's kingdom, God's righteousness. But what does that look like in our everyday life? Like, What's the context for us today? Well, we wouldn't read it in its context. It means instead of worrying about food and money and, and, and clothes and, and what we drink, our physical everyday lives, instead of that, we pursue God. That's what he's saying. We pursue him and his will, and his righteousness. We make a, a conscious decision to turn from con consuming and, and pursuing these things. Because how many of you know that it's easy to get focused on that stuff? It's very easy to get focused. I can, I can admit, you know, I'm starting to head, my mind's starting to head to the future. I'm starting to think, oh, what, you know, how else can I get in Christchurch and where we're going to live? And, and I'm starting to pursue those things. And, and instead of going, okay, now God, I just need to step back I just need to trust you. I need to pursue you. And when I pursue you, those things will be added to me. You will look after those things. And, and I don't know. I mean, for me, it's a house, but I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's, it's, it is clothing and food and, you know, maybe it's what is something else, a hobby, but you're pursuing something when actually you should be pursuing God. Or you're worrying about something when you should be pursuing God. Because how many of you know worry just kind of builds up in us and it's unhealthy and it, you know, yes, we need to take responsibility for our lives. And so if you've got an assignment due, you need to take responsibly and write that assignment. You've got jobs to do at work, you need to do that. But worrying about it instead of pursuing God is not going to help. It's actually going to be backward. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hinder you. So how do, we, how do we practically, you know I love to preach practically, how do we practically pursue God in this day and age? How do we 
How do we make him our number one priority? Are you ready? Because I've, I've got three keys for you, so write them down. And not just write them down, but do them, and uh, you'll be doing well. <laughs> it's easy to have, you know, you write down a sermon, that was good, never look at it again. Uh, I'm not just talking to myself. Yeah, I know. So, number one, turn up the thankfulness. I don't know, if you have a dial on you, just turn it up, find it, turn up the thankfulness. There's a reason in the Bible why there's so many passages where the people of God are thanking him. There's, there's a whole 150 chapters of Psalms where the people of God are praising and worshiping and thanking God. It's because he's worthy, yes, but it's also because it's so good for us. It changes us when we are thankful. In fact, it's God's will for us. Some of you go, what's the will of God for my life? It's to praise him. Don't believe me? Read 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And get this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's God's will for your life. God's will for you in Christ Jesus is, if I reverse it, to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. So many people, you know, want, oh, I want to know what God wants for my life. Well, start praising Him. Start praying and start thanking Him, and it will be worked out. Because God is less interested in, in micromanaging the, the small things of your life. He's more interested in you turning to Him, thanking Him, praising Him, having close communion with Him than being far from Him and trying to do something for Him. He wants you close. And when we rejoice, when we pray, when we thank Him, it actually draws us to Him. Because when we turn up the thankfulness, we tune into God. Let's say that again. When we, when we turn up thankfulness, we tune in to God. The flip side of that is when we focus on the issue, when we moan and we whinge and we get caught up in that, we tune out to God, right? And we, we, can't, we can't see the wood for the trees because we're just, there's a static in our ears and it's the problem or the issue that we're facing. I mean, when we can just start to thank God, even in the midst of hard stuff, and I know there's a lot of hard stuff going around at the moment, but when we start to thank Him, even in the midst of that, we start to tune in His voice. We start to hear Him. It's interesting that two of those three items there are pretty much the same thing. Rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. I think they're very similar for a reason. It's because they're so important. He has to say it twice. Um, and actually, if you want to hear a great message about this, Shout Conference just passed. Mark Verges did an awesome message on thankfulness. So go check it out online. It's just on YouTube. And you can learn how thankfulness is an alarm clock, a compass, an anchor, and a key. It's really good. Go, go have a listen. Um, but I think that's key for us to start putting God as a priority in our life is to start to thank Him. Just for little things. The big things will come, but just start thanking Him. Number two, to, to make God a priority in our life, we need to do some disciplines. Do some disciplines. Seeking first God's kingdom and His righteousness involves us actually doing something. And there are, there are there's certain things. And, and I know I've preached whole series on disciplines, and you've probably heard me preach on disciplines far too much. You're like, oh, get over the disciplines, Dave. But I think... 
I think they are important because Jesus did them. And I think they're powerful. Because look at what Jesus did. In, the, in that verse we just read in, in, in Mark 1.35, it said, Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place and prayed. So there you go, right there in Jesus' life, two disciplines, sol- solitude and prayer. He went off by himself and just got alone with his father. And it's from that place of connection that he knew what he had to do next. It was then, coming back from that, he was like, nah, I'm not going to just keep healing people here. I'm going to go to the next village and start preaching the good news. So it's from that place of connection that we work out what to do. And so we have to have those disciplines in our life if we're going to make them a priority. You've just got to give them time. And solitude and prayer are just two ways, but there are many other ways. Um, Fasting. Dare I mention fasting, worship. It's a gathering here together. This is a discipline. Well done you. You've just practiced a spiritual discipline. Or you've done a, a couple because you've been worshiping as well. Um, but also midweek and an e-group, that's a discipline. Reading a Bible, practicing Sabbath, having a rest is a discipline. And these, these habits are building blocks in our life that help us make God a priority. But I actually want I want to, give you a subversive thought around disciplines because I actually think it's like it's like guerrilla warfare. Okay? Bear with bear with me. Yep. There's a there's a battle going on for your soul. There's a battle going on between the devil and God for you. The devil wants you distracted. He wants you pursuing the things of the world. He wants you chasing pleasure and money and worrying about the things of the world, the money, the food, the clothing that you wear, as Jesus has just talked about. And he has some power because he leverages everything in the world, like, you know, your social media, the media, your friends, your colleagues, your family. He bombards you with all this, these messages about what you need, what you need to wear, where you need to live, what you need to do, all this stuff. And so there's this battle going on for you. You're under attack. And the way we fight back is actually this guerrilla warfare of discipline, of, of, of these disciplines that we put into our lives. So you sneak away by yourself and you pray and you hear the voice of God. You hide away and you meditate on a scripture and you get a revelation just for you. You choose not to eat a meal of a day to say, no, I'm not going to listen to my stomach. It's not the boss of me. You meet with other believers to, to, to drown out the voice of the enemy against you, and you praise God because it lifts him up above your circumstance. There's so many little things that you do that are actually like guerrilla warfare, that you're, you're realigning yourself to the truth of Jesus, to the way of Jesus. By doing these little things, you're fighting back. If that helps you in your mind to go, actually, I'm fighting a battle. And when I pray, when I read the Bible, when I meet with other believers, when I worship, when I fast, when I do these things, I am fighting the good fight. And I think we need to, we need to build these disciplines into our life like an armory. Like they are, they are the, the things that we do every day that actually fight the battle, because then when we're in the world, those you know things come against us, and we have something already in, on the inside. You know we're prepared 
for those hurtful words that we read on social media, or we're prepared for that difficult conversation that we have with that person, or we're prepared for whatever it is that's coming against us. We've got something to draw on. So there you go. Guerrilla warfare of disciplines. And number three, I think we just need to stir our passion for Jesus. Stir a passion for Jesus. To make God our number one priority, sometimes we just need to get hungry in ourselves. We need to be hungry and thirsty. I said, blessed are those who hunger after righteousness, for they will be filled. We need to hunger for righteousness. We need to hunger for God. If you've ever done anything uh, without food or drink, or gone without food or drink for any length of time, you know, you know what I'm talking about here, right? Those desires come to dominate. A few weeks ago, I was training for the Twiles of the Timaru bike race, and I went for a ride, but I didn't pack enough food. So I went for about a three-hour ride with one banana uh, and, um, and water. And I had the wall coming home. I had a major flat. I was just, oh, you wouldn't believe how hungry I was. I saw some people on the side of the, like, I was out, um, you know, and I was just like, can I ask those people for food? <laughs> like, I just wanted to ask strangers. I was getting that desperate. Uh, like, if I was a diabetic, I would have, I don't know, my, I was majorly hypoglycemic. And I got home, and I was just, you should have seen me, I was like, oh, lollies, honey sandwiches, just anything. I was just, yeah, I almost made myself sick because I was just so hungry. Man, I was hungry. And I think, man, sometimes we need to get that for God. When we talk about hunger, we go, oh, yeah, mm, yeah, I'm a little bit snackish. Uh, no, no, we're talking about getting hungry for him. And sometimes you need to put yourself in a position. I don't actually, you know, fasting is a way that we do that physically. But sometimes we just need to do something or get ourselves in a space or, or make it work so that we turn up the hunger and the thirst for God. Because when you are hungry, or when you are really thirsty, or even when you're, you know, really cold, I remember being up, um, as a kid, we walked up Mount Herbert on Banks Peninsula, and uh, I was maybe 12, and I was just, you know, I built like I am now, you know, really well padded. And uh, so I, I raced ahead of my family, but it was really cold and misty up there, and you know, my sister's five years, my junior, she, she'll be seven. And they were with my parents, and they were so long. And I was completely underdressed, probably in shorts and T-shirt. And I was just huddling up there for ages, <laughs> waiting for them in the mist and getting worried that I was getting lost. And man, all I wanted was to get warm. All I wanted was some clothing. I just needed some clothing. When, that's the kind of desire that we need for God, that desperate longing God. Jeremiah 20 uh, verse 9 says, But if I say I will not mention his words or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. We just need a fire in our bones like Jeremiah did. Something stirring in us. You know, in the, in the final book of the Bible, in uh, Revelation, John is writing to the, uh, the churches, and he writes to the church of Ephesus, and he says this in Revelation 2, 
verse 3, he says, You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Well done, church. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things that you did at first. I don't know about you, but sometimes we just actually need to come back and go, what were the things that, that stirred that first passion for me? I'm not sure if you can remember when you first became a Christian, but I, I, I remember just having a desire for, for God, just a, an overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit. And I was just passionate for him. We just, we just did stuff for God. We started a, a Christian group at, at, at high school because there wasn't one. And so my friend and I who had the same kind of experience uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit at a, at a camp, we just came back passionate and we just started doing stuff for God. Maybe you just need to go out and do something bold for God. I remember um, a couple years later, just having an overwhelming hunger for the Word of God. I just was reading the, the message translation. I was just reading through the Gospels and the message. It was just coming alive to me, and I was just devouring it. Maybe we just need to do some of those things that we used to do. Not for old time's sake. Not for like, so we can hark back to what it used to be like in the day. No, no, to stir a fresh passion. That fresh wind that we've been speaking about wants to blow in our lives. God wants to, to breathe on us afresh, but we need to do some of those things that are going to stir it up. Can I invite um, Kristen to come play? I think we need to do what John says there. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. And I actually want us to take some time, just, just in this moment, why don't we stand to our feet, and in this moment, I believe we need to, to firstly repent, just to go, hey, God, you know, lockdown's been hard, and I've kind of dropped the ball a bit with some of these, these things in my life, that, and, and I'm probably not as passionate as I, as I could be. That first love that John talks about, he says, you have, you have forsaken the love you had at first. I think we need to come to him and just say sorry. And then I think we need to ask, God, what, are the, what is the thing? And maybe I reckon just one thing. What is the one thing this week I need to do that's going to start to stir that passion in me again? I may have already mentioned it. It may be one of those things that I've talked about, but it may be something completely different. That when you first came to know God, you, you'd practice this and it brought real life for you. Maybe you need to revisit that thing. But let's, let's take a moment now. Just open our hearts to Him. Invite him here now. Father, we thank you. You are here and you're so good. You're so faithful. And Lord, we want to start by, by thanking you, by praising you for your goodness to us. We are thankful, Lord, for your mercies are new every morning. Lord, we want to we say we're sorry. We're sorry where we've neglected you because we've been chasing other things. Other good things maybe or other not so good things. But Lord, when they, when they get in the way of you, they're not good. So Lord, we're sorry. Help us to tune into you afresh. 
And Lord, in this moment, show us. Tell us, what what is the thing that you want us to pick up again? What is the the discipline or the practice or the, the thing that we do that draws us to you? That re-sparks that hunger, that stirs that hunger, that thirst for you, that relights that flame in us. Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, you would breathe afresh on the flame. Breathe on the ember of our life and breathe it back into flame, black back into life. Stir in us, God, a hunger, a thirst for you, our first love. Jesus, we love you. You are our first love. More than any person, more than any experience, more than anything, we love you. God, we want to put you as priority, the priority in our lives. So come, Holy Spirit. I'm just going to take a moment. Let's just, let's just listen to the Spirit now. this place that you are you're dropping things that we need to do into people's hearts thank you for your faithfulness amen i just believe god wants to do some healing in this moment i know of some i, I would love us to stand in the gap for nahuya uh, she's been having some real stomach issues she's been losing weight and there's no answers the doctors have at the moment can we just just pray for, for Richie and Narisha and uh, for, for who's he right now? That'll be awesome. Why don't you just, you guys raise your hands and let's just reach out a hand to these guys. Father, we, we stand in our gap for this family and we pray for Nahuya right now. We pray for a miracle, God, where things have been unsure and they've been getting worse and there's been, um, yeah, there's, there's been some kind of illness there. We speak healing in Jesus' name. We speak a miracle in Jesus' name, and we pray that she can date it back to this morning when the turner, when the corner was turned and, and things started to get better. We declare now, Jesus, supernaturally, you will bring an answer. You will sovereignly bring your healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I know there's other people in this room who need healing. Let's, if you need healing in your body, just raise a hand. Come on, let's believe together. Father, we trust you. We look to you, Holy Spirit. We don't look to... Yeah, we, we, we know that medicine has many answers, God, but ultimately you are the answer, Father. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you would bring healing in these bodies. You would bring healing in these lives. You would work your miracle-working power in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. God wants to do some work in this space. Let's just take a moment. Let's keep our hearts focused on Him. I think God wants to restore hope in this moment. If, you're, if, 
that's you and you're like, yeah, I need hope restored, just raise your hand. I believe God wants to restore hope in your life. Thank you, Jesus. You are the one who gives us hope. We have a hope for now and a hope for eternity. God, we call upon the God of hope to come and minister in this place. Where there's a sense of hopelessness, we break that off in Jesus' name. And we speak future. We speak a hope in a future that is good because God is in it and directing it. Thank you, Jesus. Oscar, I just believe God would say um, this word about worry is for you. <laughs> that there's some there's worry in your life and uh, you need to trust Him in a fresh way. You just need to, to go, yeah, I'm not going to worry. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Rob and Jackie, I just believe that God's got some uh, exciting new ventures in Him for you. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what they look like. But I know that you're very much, you, you love doing, you love a project. I, I know that about you, love a project. I believe God's, a, and it's not a building project. God's got a, well, it is building, but it's building in a different way. It's building in His kingdom. God's got a project that He wants you to get your teeth stuck into together. I don't know what exactly that is, but seek first, seek, seek Him together in prayer. And He's going to reveal something, a project for you guys. It's going to have impact in the community here for him. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, church. I'm going to hand back to you. Let's give him a round of applause, eh? That was cool. I'm, um, I'm so challenged by that scripture in um, Revelation 2, the letter to the church at Ephesus, and it talks about them, their theology's right, they're doing the right thing, they're even suffering for God, but there is this, hey, you've, you've stepped away from your first love, and I think, man, how easy is it to go, I'm doing all the right things, God, but there's a disconnection there, and I, so I think that's such a powerful um, challenge to reflect on. Hey, I just want to declare a blessing over you, church. from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to close our service with a song of praise. Uh, do stick around after the service. Take some time to genuinely like, really connect with people. It's such a privilege to be able to gather together, so let's enjoy it. Great. Thanks, team. Awesome. We're going to go out with a song of thankfulness this morning. We're going to exercise our disciplines.